so here we are today, uh, second week of what we are calling our Missions and Outreach Month. And we felt like the Lord led us early in this year to take some time out here in July during the summer and really focus on all of the different missions and local outreaches that we all support and the work that we're doing as a church together. Uh, One of the reasons is we want to bring awareness. There's a lot of new folks who've been coming that many of these things are new to you. You don't even know all the stuff that you're supporting. And so I want it to go from, oh, they're doing this to we're doing this together. We want to celebrate some of the great things that God is doing and really highlight those over these few weeks. Also, I'm hoping that there are some things that would get stirred up in you. There are some passions, some desires, some giftings, things that the Lord has put in you that are possibly not being expressed right now to advance the kingdom of God and that the Lord would do something to kind of breathe on those and uh, get those things stirred up in you during this time. And I think sharing a lot of these wonderful stories is going to help with that. And so you'll find this out, like I have seen, almost every church has some kind of an understanding that missions and outreach is part of our commission as the church. And oftentimes we find different language to explain that or to talk about how we do it. At Life Church X, we say one of the main things we do, one of the four things is to extend with a capital X because it kind of goes along with the X for game changer or X factor. We extend, which is mean that we serve our community and the world outside just the walls of our church. And uh, we say we have a bifocal vision. So we have a heart for the world and for the nations and the hurting all over the planet, as God does. And he says that we should care about the nations, but we also have an emphasis on what we're doing here locally within our sphere of influence and reach to make an impact for the kingdom of God and bring transformational change. So last week you heard about what we refer to as our global extensions, which are great organizations that we partner with all over the world that are doing amazing things to do two things. This is our prayerful search, what we look for. This is how we qualify this, uh, is that one, they're bringing humanitarian support to places where there are injustices, people who are oppressed, who are hurting, things like human trafficking, starving people around the world, things like that. So they're bringing humanitarian aid. But number two, this is very important, they're also bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those two things go hand in hand. We're meeting practical needs, but we're also meeting spiritual needs through bringing the gospel. I love it when we find organizations that manage to get to the darkest, most unreached places in the world. That kind of tends to be a big thing for us. And so those are our global partners. Let me also say this, part of what our heart for our global missions uh, work to do over the next couple of years is really to develop our missions program. We don't have one right now. I'd love to see us be able to take missions trips as a church with all of our campuses every single year. People with a heart and a passion for that, also with the organizational ability to really plan those trips out and do them well. We have partners and there's trips that are pretty much ready to go. We just need internally the ability to really prepare and plan for that. Also, I I want our church to be fertile ground where people who have a call to the missions field, maybe they don't even know that yet, 
But if they have that call, that that would be stirred up in them while they're here, and we could cultivate that, raise them up, help them get equipped, and actually help send them into the missions field wherever God might be calling them. So that's just a little summary on our global extensions. Then the next thing we talk about is local extensions, right? Things we're doing here. The first thing that you've probably heard about or will hear about is what we call extreme service. This is how the folks in Life Church X are being the hands and feet of Jesus throughout our community, throughout the year. We are identifying where there are needs that are going unmet, often with the elderly population and things like that. And we're just organizing very practical projects where we can go and we can serve them. We can pray for them and love on them and share Jesus with them while we're there. But we do these kind of projects all throughout the year. We work with our local influencers and officials. We have a great relationship with the mayor and and try to figure out where are some of those needs that are the most important that are not getting met right now. Because we're not interested in overlapping a bunch of other successful efforts, but we want to meet needs that are actually going unmet. And that's what extreme service is designed to do. It's a great way, if you are not afraid of some hard work, of getting dirty, putting in a solid day's worth of really hard work, to come out on an event and just serve and join together with all of us and, and do something really impactful in our community. I love to say it this way when we do this, that we love on people and serve people with no strings attached. I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are a lot of people in our community who are right now, will, their, their whole plan is they will never step foot in the doors of a church right? Hey, no problem. We'll just meet you where you are. We want to come and love you and serve you. And then we'll just let the Lord do the rest. We have no expectations. We're just there to serve you and love on you with no strings attached. That's kind of the heart of extreme service. And then we move from there locally into what we call local extensions. This is where we partner with other great organizations right here within our community that are presently doing great work to advance God's heart in our area, in the community. And our goal is to come alongside of them, to support them, and to kind of help be a strength and an encouragement to them, hold their arms up, so to speak, to advance the great work that they're already doing. God's already using them to accomplish. And we have uh, of course, multiple cam- we have two campuses right now, and perhaps the Lord leads us to other campuses in the future. We want to continue to have a global and local extensions model for how we approach ministry, but it's important to note that the local extensions, the extreme service projects that we take on are going to be indigenous to those communities. We, we want to leave space for that so that they can take on and reflect the needs and the environment that are presently around us in any location. So our partners with our local extensions in Jerseyville are entirely different than the partners and local extensions are here in our Waterloo campus. Does that make sense? And we believe that that's an important part of how we are to approach that. And we're always prayerful in who we partner with and the kinds of relationships that we build. We want to make sure we have common ground and alignment on essential things. And, uh, and when we decide to partner with a local extension, there are multiple ways that we try to support them. Number one, the obvious, is financial. We steward the resources that come into this house in a variety of ways, but one of the major ways is to support these kinds of organizations that are here within our community. 
There are also yearly events and initiatives that these organizations do that we like to participate in. Sometimes it's just going and being a part of it. Maybe it's a 5K or a trivia night. Also serves as a fundraiser, but also a community building type of thing for our church. Sometimes there are volunteers that are needed to help carry out those events and initiatives. And so we focus on that. We also look at the local extensions as a great opportunity for volunteer onboarding with folks in our church in the sense that we know people have gifts, passions, and desires that we're trying to help them cultivate and give expression to. And we need to have a much bigger mindset and, and thought process than just what happens within the walls of our church. When we look at all of these partners and these organizations in our community, we begin to tap into other types of giftings and passions and needs that are there to help them give expression to these things that God has put in them, which in turn helps them to be raised up strong in their calling and in their destiny. Am I making sense there? So these are some of the ways we work with our partners. And then, of course, the last one is to pray for them, to pray for the things that are happening, that are going on, and the needs that they have. And so um, what I'm getting ready to do today is I'm going, to, I'm going to bring up some of our local partners and extensions. We're going to have kind of a question and answer session and panel with them today so that you can hear more about them, their organization, the heart behind what we do, get excited about what we're supporting as a church, and perhaps the Lord would maybe even stir some things up in you about areas to take some steps in and begin to give expression to. I want to encourage you to visit them in the lobby after service. We've got tables and booths set up uh, where they will be to share information, resources, answer questions. So I just want to encourage you to do that if you have an interest in any particular area before you go. So on that note, I'd like to bring up our local partners who are here with us today. And can we give them a big round of applause as they come up here? So the first question that we're going to ask is actually just we'll go around and have each of you introduce yourself and the organization that you're with, your, your role with the organization, and uh, maybe the mission statement or mission of the organization and the, the group of people that you focus on serving. We'll start there. All right. Turned it on this time, right? <laughs> All right, well, my name is Christina Robinson, and I am the Monroe County Director for the Restored Network. Um, the Restored Network was created in response to God's call on his people to step in um, to help with vulnerable children inside the foster care system. We are a privately run organization, um, and because we are a 501c3 and we don't take money from the state, we can respond to those needs as we think Christ would, um, quickly, creatively, and with compassion. Um, we do all this by linking arms with our um, state agencies and court staff, and we walk alongside um, families that are committing to say yes to kids um, from the very beginning of licensing all the way through um, their time with that child until um, the kiddo either returns home or is adopted into that family. Um, we do that with wraparound supports like cribs, car seats, meals, um, any of the tangible things that you can think of, as well as um, emotional, spiritual, and parenting support with trauma trainings, meaningful relationships, community with other foster families, and um, most importantly, with prayer. 
Um, our mission is kind of four-folded. Um, we aim to recruit, equip, unite, and embrace. So we aim to recruit more than enough foster families for the number of kiddos um, that are in care inside of our state. Um, we equip them with trauma trainings um, so that they are informed and they have the tools that they need to successfully parent um, these kiddos from hard places. Um, we unite with um, agency workers, um, helping them find the right fit for a child that has been brought into care, um, not just the first empty bed as they call down their list. And then um, we embrace families from the moment that they know a child is coming all the way to the end of their journey. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> and one of the things, well, first of all, Christina and her husband, Shane, in addition to her role with Restore Network, they're also lead pastors of a newer church plant here in Waterloo called Redemption Church. And uh, I said that wrong last service, didn't I? I apologize for that. But good friends and just really respect and admire them. They're amazing people and uh, they're pillars in our community. They're great godly leaders and I'm just, I'm really honored to work with you in this role here as well, Christina, and I'm honored that Shane is a good friend. Um, so one of the things that has really impressed me about Restore Network is the organizational structure or model that you guys deploy to engage as many people as possible in the mission. So a lot of times we think of fostering, and if we're not called to foster or adopt, it seems like we kind of shut down and just glaze over, right? We tune out. But you guys bring in volunteers from the local churches and in the community. Maybe they're not feeling led to foster or adopt at this season, but there are meal trains for recently placed children in local foster families. There are birthday parties. There are back-to-school bashes like what we're doing right now. Lots of other things to where it's kind of like anybody that has a heart for this at all could find a way to, to engage and plug in. I think that that's really brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. We think that everybody can do something, right? Like right. There's a space for everyone to use the gifts and the passions that the Lord has called you. Give I love to it. You with. Love it. Carol? Hi, my name is Carol Turnquist, and I'm the visionary for Grace Adoption. And Grace Adoption is an organization that was formed in 2014, and we were formed uh, to work within the local community to enhance the lives of seniors. Uh, so let, supplement those existing programs that maybe churches have in place then too, and to provide direct one-on-one -on -one relationships with seniors living in uh, nursing homes, assistant living places then. Um, individuals who want to share the love of Christ in their time uh, are asked to become a friend uh, through Grace Adoption. Uh, a friend is somebody who goes out and is assigned a certain person. Uh, we have questionnaires that we use to kind of match them up. And uh, they work with them one-on-one, -on -one, then sharing their time and their love for Christ. Our youngest uh, friend has been eight years old. <laughs> our oldest one has been 83 years old. So we have a wide range of friends then, too. Um, we are in throughout Monroe County then, in addition to Redbud. And um, we're going into Smithson. We're setting that up right now then, too. And we've also reached out to the new uh, Tanoose uh, Loving, let's see. Tanoose Loving uh, Touch, okay? Um, senior Center that's opening up then too and they've asked us to be in then too already. So we're excited about that relationship too that's gonna form then. Uh, we do offer continued support uh, for the relationships as they're developed. We are a, a 503C, or 501 3C 
organization. No one, including myself, receives any monies for the work that we do then also. It's all given from the heart. Um, the person that is the senior in the facility, we call them a senior friend. Um, as I said, the, the, person that, the person that visits them is called the friend, and that's because Jesus called uh, his closest friends, the closest people to him, friends. And yeah. so we call the senior friend a senior friend because the hope is, is that that's going to be reciprocated then too, and they're going to form that friendship relationship. Uh, one thing that I have a lot of people think it's a, grace, it's a grandparent adoption program, and Grace Adoption is not a grandparent adoption program. Seniors already have grandparents or have had grandparents then too. So it's an acronym that really stands for, um, um, gosh, <laughs> Grace, uh, Grandparents Revealing Accepting Christ's Eternal Adoption. Um, and it is only through God's grace that we are adopted into his family. So that's why uh, it's a way to share about God's grace then too and talk a little bit about how we got our name then too. And the hopes is that every senior will come to know Christ before they leave this earth. Yeah. Um, awesome. Our mission is to instill in every individual senior uh, at every care facility that we're in that they are valued and that they are loved not only by their friend that's been provided through Grace Adoption, but also through the community, which is through the church then too, and also that they are loved by Christ most importantly. That's awesome. And, and I love... The, so you serve in the elderly, obviously, meeting them in these places where they are, where they're maybe lacking some companionship and things like that. But the evangelistic heart behind it that you have, Carol, I remember when we met, when you were first getting ready to launch Grace Adoption, and the, the biggest thing that stood out to me is how you wanted to make sure that every one of these seniors had an opportunity to hear the gospel and know Christ before they would depart from this earth. And uh, to just think about that, they may have lived their entire life, but there's still moments left at the end where they can hear the gospel and give their life to Jesus and know they're going to spend eternity with him. And that that was just really what was driving you. I was very inspired by that. Go, yeah, Debbie. Hi, my name is Debbie Geist. I'm the executive director with Life Network of Southern Illinois, um, which is a pregnancy resource center here in Waterloo. Uh, we've been in existence for 30 years. Uh, many people don't realize that. And we also have a facility in the, Red, in the Redbud area, Randolph County, because we saw a need there in the Sparta-Chester area to go into that. Um, so I have been with the ministry 20 years, um, and our mission is very, very simple. We're a Christ-centered ministry, Christ-centered, uh, committed to upholding the sanctity of human life. We believe that all life matters. It matters from the womb to the tomb. Um, if you would say, uh, not to coin a phrase, but that is what we believe. Of course, we care about the babies, but we also care about the moms and the dads and the aunts and the uncles and the grandmas and grandpas. So our services will reflect that. Over the years, as uh, people have come into the center, our clients have come in, we see the need, so we do what we can to meet that need. All of our services are free. Our clients don't have to pay for any of them. Many times we're asked, why are people actually giving me free cribs and strollers and high chairs and teaching me these classes. And we say it's because you, the church, care. Um, so they know that it's given from the church. So our services go from pregnancy testing. We do the ultrasound, which is the greatest tool that we have um, to be able to show the moms and the dads uh, that window into the womb, if you will, to be able to see their, 
living, breathing a baby um, about 98% of the time. Uh, if we have a client that comes in that's thinking about aborting their baby and they are able to see that ultrasound, they will change their mind and realize that that is a child. When a dad comes in, the percentage even goes higher, um, which is awesome. So we always encourage them to bring in their partners. Um, we also have something called an Earn While You Learn program. Um, we want them to know that we've been accused of just being, uh, especially now with the, in the post-Roe world, um, we're even more on the attack, which doesn't make sense to me, but we are being attacked. Um, but that we're, we're, they're told that all we, all we care about is them keeping their baby and then we just let it go. And that's not true. Like I said, we take them from the time that they come in all the way up until the child is 12 years old. Um, we have parenting classes that we can help them with. It's education. We want to educate them, give them the confidence that they need um, to be the kind of parent that God wants them to be. We also, um, and when they're doing those classes, they earn supplies then um, for their baby. So if they're in a financial situation that's think, making them think about aborting their baby, we help with that as well. We also have professional counseling um, because many times they bring with them uh, a lot of baggage. Um, there's a lot of reasons why they're thinking about maybe not keeping that baby. Um, so we want to be able to meet that need as well. So they get professional counseling with us thanks to partners like uh, Life Church X. We also have a dad's program, which is huge. Um, we don't ever want to leave out the dad, and I didn't say that in the first service, and I should have. Um, the dads are so important. They are so don't ever underestimate how important the, that those dads are. So we want to make sure that the dads are getting the education that they need as well to support uh, the girl in that as well. Um, we also just recently um, started with the abortion reversal pill. I know many of you have heard about the chemical abortions or the RU46, which now unfortunately is going to be high on the list of the way the girls are going to be taking abortions now um, because there's right now 80 sites online that they can go to and actually get those abortion reversal pills or abortion pills, RU46. Those are actually done without a doctor knowing anything about it, and that's very, very dangerous. Um, so we have a, a, we, there is something called an abortion reversal bill, which Dr. Congas, our medical director, um, was so gracious enough to help us with. So if the girl takes the first pill and she decides she does not want to go through the, with the abortion, which has happened, they can call our office, and we'll be able to get them hopefully help um, and be able to hopefully save the child of that baby. So that's really what we yeah. Yeah, and you kind of mentioned a little bit, Debbie, about the current climate that we're in, and obviously abortion's been an issue for a long time, but it's much more emotionally charged now and in the spotlight and uh, with the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Uh, I've received a lot of criticism personally for my position on pro-life. Our church has received a lot of criticism because we're vocal about this. Um, I believe it's a biblical issue before it's a political issue. And it's not an issue that the church can be silent on. I'm, I'm saddened by some churches that are silent on this particular issue. But I say all that because in the same context, what I love about what Life Network does and what we as a church continue to want to convey is that um, even if someone has been through this process, an abortion, if they've done that, that we lead them to a place of understanding that there is forgiveness available in Jesus Christ. There is healing. Oftentimes, there's a lot of shame and trauma that's being bottled up. And Life Network does a great job of taking a, a holistic, comprehensive approach to every kind of situation and really counseling and helping women to be restored and healed if they've been through a traumatic process like that as well. 
Absolutely. Very well said. Sounds like you've been on the board of directors. Oh, I might have been, yeah. <laughs> no, and um, so I, I served on the board of directors at Life Network for, for two terms. And when I mentioned earlier that we want to help people use their gifts and talents and abilities to just serve, I felt like when we planted the church, this was one way, having a business background and having a passion for the unborn life. That, that I could do that. And so that was maybe a niche for me. There might be other niches for different folks in the church as well. But just think about that, how you know, we can be a part of serving in many different ways. Just on that, post-abortion, we do have post-abortion counseling. And if anyone is, if that is your gift, we definitely could use you, use you because we, we are a non-judgmental. We don't judge any of our clients when they come in. Um, so that is a definite need that we have. Very good. Very good. Jamie, another dear friend, yeah? I'm Jamie Matthews with Monroe County Startup Program. We are a high school entrepreneur program for juniors and seniors. They learn to become business owners. So it's a very non-traditional approach. We accept students from all four of the local high schools in Monroe County, Waterloo, Columbia, Jabot, and Valmire. We are actually a 501c3 as well, which in the tax world, that just means we're a nonprofit. And we are completely funded by local businesses and individuals. So we are underneath the umbrella of the regional office of education. They serve as our fiscal agent. And we have a board of directors that helps lead the experience for the students as well. Awesome. And uh, Jamie, it's been a real joy uh, working with you over the last few years and seeing the students just really begin to kind of come alive when a dream or a passion or a desire that's in their heart starts to kind of be drawn out and come to the surface and then be able to give an expression to that. These are the future leaders of our community, right? Yeah, and so much. reaching them where you're at now and helping them develop those kind of skills to go after their dreams, it, I mean, it's much like what we talk about here in the church too. And you're doing yep. a great job of that. For sure. Thank you. Yeah, it's with juniors and seniors, they're very influential at that time. A lot of them are college bound, but going through the program, they really realize I don't absolutely have to go to college. I can create my own opportunity. Mm -hmm. And we're going into our seventh year of the program, which is pretty incredible. The first year, they, some of them didn't even know what the word entrepreneur meant. Wow. And then now they're coming into the program having already started businesses and just wanting to grow it while they're with us. Yeah. It's pretty, I mean, there are a lot of really great ideas oh, and businesses that come smart. out of these Yes, yeah. yeah. And that puts a lot of pressure on myself and the board that we have to constantly evolve to. So... But Props it's encouraging, to too, what's in the young people, right? I think it reminds us, again, that sometimes we might underestimate the impact and the potential that they can make at even a very young age. So, yes, Very true. So, Awesome. Uh, before we move on to the next question, just a couple other partners that I want to mention who could not be here in person with us today, but you could find information in the lobby after service. We have the House of Neighborly Services that we work with great organization that serves many different needs in the community from uh, those who are in need of food, clothing, uh, resources like benevolence for utilities and things like that. So this is a great way of identifying the need, making sure that they're wisely helping, but their motto is a hand, uh, not a hand out, but a hand up. And so they're meeting a practical need right now, but also seeking to equip them so that they can get out of their present situation and they have a high success rate of doing that. So we're really honored to work with House of Neighborly Services. Also, we are uh, partners with the Monroe County Christian School here in the Waterloo area. I know there's a few folks that 
uh, in our church, the several families whose children are enrolled there. They're doing a wonderful, wonderful job of providing an alternative option right here locally in our community. I do like to mention it this way as a church. You know, we're not a private school church. We're not a homeschool church. We're not a public school church. These are all options that each family needs to prayerfully consider and be led by the Holy Spirit and where he's directing them to go. But we do want to make sure that all of the options are known and available to folks in our community. The Monroe County Christian School is a great resource and an option for those with young kids who are seeking uh, private Christian school enrollment. And they're taking enrollment now. There's information out in the lobby for that. And... um, Yeah, so on that note, next question would be, and you can answer this in any order that you would like to, what would you say is the greatest need that your organization currently has? I think for startup, we are basing a lot of our experience on diversification of the people that are involved. So in order to give that real experience to our students where it's not scripted, it's not from a textbook, we have to have all career fields, um, all areas of interest, all personalities coming into our room in front of the students. So um, greatest need is if you are interested in sitting down and speaking with these very, very bright minds or investing in the program financially, becoming a mentor, anything like that, just come talk to us. We're The more people that we have involved in the program, the more real experience that we can grant to the students. That's a great point because there's a lot of um, just self-employed small business owners that are very effective mentors in the program, not yeah. necessarily large-scale companies. Yeah, it, you don't have to have a multi-million dollar business to be involved. Um, we, we love all levels of the story and we need students to be able to see all levels. Um, you don't have to be, to be successful, you don't have to own your own business. You can run the show for someone else. And that's, that's one point. of the greatest lessons that our students learn during the nine months. Great point. Anyone else? Greatest need? Uh, yeah, ours is, uh, uh, there's always needs. We have prayer, prayer, prayer. <laughs> yeah. We need a lot of prayer. We have a lot of young girls uh, that we are working with. We've worked with them as young as 13 years old. Um, and so we just need a lot of prayer and wisdom. Um, we actually have a need, one coming in next week. I don't know if anybody in here is on the prayer chain. I know someone earlier was. Um, but anytime we have a girl that walks through the center, um, we know usually right away whether or not she's, what, what her plans are. So we will send out an email right away to our prayer chain and, so that you guys will be praying for us as we're counseling her. And I can ne- never underestimate how much that prayer means because we feel it. Um, to know that we have God's people lifting us up as we are facing a very, very difficult, because they come in, you know, their, their issues are real. Um, to them, they are real. You can't make light of why, what they're coming in when they're a 13-year-old and they're having, they're having a baby. Um, it's a child having a child, so those are very, very real. So we need prayer. Um, we also actually, if anybody, we are in need of an IT person right now, someone that knows things about that. We're always looking for board of directors. We actually are always looking for uh, people that are willing to just encourage our girls, maybe by, by giving a, uh, making up packets for them on Mother's Day, um, for our dads on Father's Day. If you're a man that's really interested in being a mentor for our dads, that's a huge need that we have. We have several men coming in right now, and they're sitting with their partner or their, their, their spouse because we don't have a dad that, that we really want them to be able to get mentored as much as the mom does. Um, so we have a big need there as well. And for, uh, like I said, just pray that um, the state of Illinois um, will realize and understand that, that, that those babies' lives are valuable. 
um, that just because you can't see them doesn't mean that they don't have value. Um, so we are really working an uphill climb right now in the government part. It's not about government to us. It's not political. It's a heart issue. If we change the mom's heart, then we've saved the baby. Um, and that's really what we want to do in this community and all cr around Illinois is to help them understand it's not political. It's hard. It's God's yeah, rules, that's not right. theirs. Amen. So well said. Well said. Um, I, regarding the prayer emails that you send out, because obviously I get those too, and I mean, they're real crisis scenarios when they go out. This is happening right now. And we need to storm heaven and, you know, really push back hell. So if folks want to be a part of that and they would be willing to commit that kind of investment to prayer, do they just see you afterwards? Yes, I added? have a sheet out in the, in, at the lobby and you can sign up and we'll put you right on there. Yeah, and I love that you listed that as one of the main things. That was really awesome. Uh, greatest need that you currently have right now? Are we going down the line? <laughs> um, the greatest need is we need homes. We need homes for kiddos that have been re removed from um, biological family for um, a variety of reasons that's not of any fault of their own. Um, we need more than enough homes, not just enough for all of the kids that are coming into care, but enough that when we get a call for a six-year-old girl, we can say this family is the right family for this child. Um, last month in June alone, we were contacted for homes for 25 kids, and we were able to recommend three. Um, wow. And so we need homes. We need people who will um, say yes. I think Pastor Matt earlier um, said that one of the things that um, he loves to do um, as part of your vision, right, is to meet people where they are yeah, right. <laughs> and to meet the need where they're at. And um, there's not an easier way to do that than to welcome in a hurting child into your home. You meet the need of the child. You meet the need of the family that is hurting and in crisis and um, help bring healing to them by loving on that kiddo and giving them a safe place to go. And so um, that is our greatest need to prayer. Obviously, um, we cannot survive the hardship of loving kids with big hurts and big issues without being covered in prayer. And so, so um, us as a staff, um, our fostering families, um, the kiddos um, that come into care, they all need um, just to be bathed in prayer and to know that they're loved and supported. Uh, but like we said, there's, there's not a gift that cannot be used. So if you are gifted in some way, if the spirit is leading you to jump in in some way, come see us and we love to be creative with you. That's really good. And um, one of the things that we mentioned last service too, that I was not sure if it was still accurate, but you had obviously confirmed that it was, uh, Illinois ranks last in the entire country in states based on the metric that's used to measure it in making a difference for the foster system and getting kids placed in permanent homes. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, we are last in permanency, which means that kids spend more time in care in the state of Illinois than in any other state in our country, which averages four to more years. We have some kids in our county right now that have been in the home for six plus years, going on seven years. Um, and that's just incredibly hard if you can imagine coming in as a three-year-old and now you're turning 10 um, trying to do that. And also means that they bounce from homes more often um, because our state is just um, broken in the way that they deal yeah. with foster care. And so every time that child's removed from a home and placed with another new family, that's another set of traumas. That's another schedule they have to learn, another set of rules, another um, group of parents to call mom and dad or whatever um, in there. And yeah. so obviously that is more and more harm done um, to this child and harder for the family 
as they're trying to work a case to get their kids back. And just speaking about how much you clearly convey the appreciation for the relationships with the local churches and the folks in the body of Christ, one of the other things I admire so much about Restore is that as an organization, they refuse to take state money. They refuse to take government money. They've been offered it, but they won't take it because they don't want to modify how they are able to carry out the work of their ministry in order to meet certain regulations that come along with state funding. So they are entirely separated from that, which I think is very impressive. Um, And again, more reason why partnerships with the church are so important, right? Uh, Carol, what is the greatest need in Grace Adoption? First of all, thanks for all the prayers for Grace Adoption to begin with then, too. And thinking about this, it was kind of hard to hone on to one particular item that's the greatest need then, as I'm sure it was for everybody else then, too. Um, So uh, friends are our most valuable asset. If we don't have friends, we don't have Grace Adoption to begin with then. So friends are our most valuable asset, and we can never have too many friends. Isn't that correct? That's right. Exposure is another great need for Grace Adoption. Uh, we are so new of an organization, and we weathered through the pandemic. Um, but exposure is so important to us. Then you know the people, the church, the community—they don't know about Grace Adoption. They can't become a part of Grace Adoption then too if they don't know about it. And financial is a need for almost every organization. Uh, we have the opportunity to expand to 110 nursing homes in 10 different states uh, at this moment. Then, but because of the financial uh, we're not financially able to expand to this point at, at this time then. Uh, we also have uh, background checks that are um, uh, costly then too, your uh, organiza- right. organizational uh, office expenses. We have uh, decided to do large print Bibles. And if you have an opportunity, go out and look at the table. We've started getting large print Bibles, ordering those out for the different facilities then. We're even doing those as if you want to do a memorial in reference to somebody then too. You can do one in memory of someone so that in their death you can give life through the gospel of the Bible then. We would like to put those in each one of the facilities in Monroe County then. Uh, And as we accumulate those and we get enough for one facility, then we'll disperse those and then we'll move on to the next facility then also. But they are the large print, like I said, so that not only the uh, well, hopefully the senior will be reading those then too or looking into those. We found out through the pandemic we had a resource area in each one of our facilities, but because of the pandemic, um, friends were not allowed to go to different areas where our resources were. They were uh, designated to one particular area, so that's when the idea for Bibles came up then too. It also allows, allows not just the senior to read God's Word. Anybody that comes in there to visit them has the opportunity to pick up this yeah. Bible then too. And on the front of it, it does say a Grace Adoption Inc. that they can go to a website and they can look up Grace Adoption. It also says need a friend. And we're working on a stamp to put in there then too that tells a little bit more how they could be a friend or how Jesus yeah. could be a friend to them. And so when you say friends, you're referring to folks who are serving in Grace Adoption, who have a heart to work with and serve the elderly. They're meeting with them in the nursing homes, living centers. Uh, and just con- visiting with them, visiting spending time, them sharing the gospel, what things like that. What we ask that they do is that they visit them at least twice a month as a minimum. Okay. Because we realize that every individual senior then has a different cognitive level. We have people that go in for maybe 15, 20 minutes then. We have others that stayed with their seniors for three and four hours. And yeah. depending upon, I always tell people, you know, if you have an opportunity and you're just in town, uh, for a little bit, stop in and see them. Do it more frequently than that you can visit with them. You're going to know we have... 
We have a 17-year-old right now that goes to his um, senior friend and watches the ball games, and they talk about mm. the, the players then, too, and the names they know them. So it's really That's great cool. to see those things happen yeah. then also with the young That's people. That's good. A uh, couple more questions here. So in maybe about 30 seconds, if you could nail this one, what is the most rewarding part of what you get to do? Um, well, two things. Obviously, seeing healing in kids, right? To see um, kids have, have been um, told that they are nothing, stepping into homes where gospel is presented through love um, and seeing their continents change, right? See their emotions and physical self begin to heal is, um, wow. is so hard to explain. Like, you can't put it in words. And so like, to, like, you have to experience that to, to actually see that looks like, um, but also the work of the spirit inside of the family that is saying yes um, is just so beautiful to watch. And we've seen that multiple times. Um, mentioned in the earlier service, there was a family who took in a teen um, boy, and I was visiting a church um, a couple weeks after they had brought them in. Um, it happened to be a baptism Sunday, and it, it just hard to get up and speak after you're crying your eyes out as you watched this. Um, dad with his new son in his home, one hand on his back and one hand raised as his yeah. wife was baptized um, that Amen. Sunday and just seeing what saying yes to the Lord will do inside of you and for your family and for the children that are already in your home, whether biological or adopted or um, nieces or nephews or however your family is made up, right? Like saying yes to the Lord is never wasted. There's always so much more benefit that comes from um, doing the hard thing. Oh, that was awesome. Awesome. Anybody else want to jump next? Debbie? Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, obviously, um, just to watch them grow, um, to be able to take them from the hearing them when they are seeing, hearing and seeing them when they walk the, uh, through the doors of Life Network, and then seeing them grow in confidence as a mom. Um, watching them, we're kind of on the other side. We are working with moms that have, have had children taken away for whatever reason. They may be addicted to drugs or alcohol or anger management or whatever. But when they've dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's and we've walked with them through that and we see them get their kids back um, and watch that, that's huge because it is about restoring, right? It is about restoring them back to, the, to their parents and that's what we like to do. Um, and just, uh, I shared this in the earlier service, just a, a praise story that we had uh, just several weeks ago. We've been working with a girl for over a year and she did have her her children taken away, um, but she is one, celebrating one year sobriety, um, and she just could, couldn't wait to share that with us, that she has done everything that they have asked her to do, and our prayer now is that she will be able to be the kind of mom that God has called her to do, so that is rewarding, and of course, seeing when you've, you know, seeing them just make the decision to place their babies either for adoption or to keep their babies. I have the opportunity to work twice, two or three times with someone um, that has actually placed their baby for adoption, and that's beautiful. And actually earlier I got to talk to a prior client, which was unbelievably awesome. amazing awesome. how God just brings those people back into your life and just that little seed that you may have planted, God watered wow. in the church. The church just helped it grow. I love it. I, I want to tell you this quick story. When, this was probably, I don't know, two, three years ago. I was in the center one day, stopped by to visit, and while I was in there talking to Debbie or somebody, there was all this screaming and yelling and this commotion that started happening. 
And at first it was kind of like, what the heck is going on? You know, everybody's yelling and screaming. And then it was like somebody won the lottery or something because you could tell that there was joy mixed in. So there wasn't like a problem. And I'm like, what is going on? What is going on? And then one of the staff members that had kind of come running in just started yelling, she chose life. She chose life. And it was like in that moment, they just found out that somebody who was going to abort decided not to abort. And uh, I remember seeing the eruption of joy in that place that day. And I thought, man, if these aren't God's servants in the right place, I don't know what is. To see this kind of reaction from that one decision, it just said, it spoke volumes to me. So anyway, um, most rewarding thing, Carol or Jamie? the most rewarding, I think, is the connections being made. Um, sometimes we think of the friends going in, becoming friends to your friend. We do orientation for each one of the friends, um, either separately as a group then, too. Uh, something that's really interesting and we don't think about is that sometimes we have people that want to become friends to a senior, and as I'm visiting with them, I can see that a senior is going to be a friend to them first. Mm. And to see that, see them grow um, in those relationships tend to also and see them become whole is uh, one of the things that's really rewarding then too. I've also seen uh, we have people that uh, are friends, we assign them or we give them a, a particular senior and sometimes that connection is not there and we don't want you ever to be involved with somebody that maybe that connection is not there. I will encourage you and give you suggestions as far as how to build that friendship. And we had one person that came in and really wanted me to find her another senior. Uh, she just really wasn't connected. So in the process that I was getting her another senior, she had called me up and she says, Carol, forget that. She said, I'm really connecting with her. And she became such a friend to this senior that she gave her her last birthday party with the whole um, um, community that she was in. She was in Whispering Pines then. And to see the senior give away her gifts to the other people that were there, and even a sweater oh, wow. that she was given was hung up in the, um, the administrator of that particular area in her office then, in recognition of what, what uh, had transpired between these friends. To see things like that happen yeah. has That's really awesome. been awesome then, too. That's awesome. Jamie? Most rewarding is watching the students discover how powerful and capable they are. So at the beginning of the year, they're tasked with the responsibility of finding a way to identify themselves um, with their name and then also that they're involved with the startup program. And generally, each of the groups choose to get a name badge and lan lanyard, but they have no money to get these products with. So they come up with the idea of selling the advertising spots on the lanyard and the badges. Um, that includes them doing cold calling, finding out where to get these products from, working together as a team, uh, learning about graphic design, all those little details you don't often think about. And then they were all just in the group last year, and I just assumed that they were talking about high school stuff, but I got to listen a little bit closer, and one of the students said, guys, we did this. And they were looking at the badges and the lanyards that they had, and they were so proud of themselves, and it was just fascinating to watch that. Um, new experiences for them, and then that launched them into their next business that they profited $17,000 from. So just those little moments are the stepping That's stones. Awesome. awesome. And I want to, it's worth mentioning too, Jamie obviously talked about mentors and volunteers and uh, sponsors of the program, but if there's students here who are approaching their junior or senior year of high school, 
that might have an interest in the program, this would be a great opportunity for them to talk to you or yep. pursue some information as for well. For sure. And earlier I just said the four local high schools, but if you're homeschooled as well, please come talk to me. Awesome. That's, we can't wait to welcome homeschooled students in. Um, so the students that are starting in the program this August, we actually selected them back in December. So we, we do really work ahead of the school year schedule, but come talk to me and awesome. we'll get you in the right spot. Awesome. Okay, last question. Um, we just asked what was the most rewarding part about what you get to do. So now I want to ask you, what is the most challenging part about what you do? Um, taking calls and email requests for um, children that need homes and having to tell caseworkers that there's not an open bed um, for a child to go and hearing the heavy sighs uh, and the weariness on the other side of the phone saying, well, I guess I'm sleeping in the office again um, with this kiddo and um, having to hang up the phone with the knowledge that there are people in churches in our community that have bandwidth and have physical space for kids um, that could be saying yes and I don't have access um, to them yet. Um, we have a, uh, a favorite author slash pastor that's involved in um, the foster care world whose name is Jason Johnson. If you ever get a hold of any of his stuff um, or are considering fostering, I would I would highly recommend, uh, recommend reading it. But um, I love that what he says, and he says that the work of Jesus on our behalf compels us um, in turn to work on the behalf of others. And so um, that's just what I'm praying that someday there's a, there's a day that, because that's true for all of our partner churches, that I can recommend a home for every one of those 25 kids. Awesome. I love it. Love it. Most challenging part of what you do? Most challenging is sometimes trusting the process. Um, I am working with high school students, so they're a lot of times jumping into an event that they want to host over a 12-hour period, and it's, I, and this really, this experience made me reflect on this a lot, that I talk to God a lot during startup, and a lot of it is just sometimes the blunt request of grant me patience and keep my mouth shut, <laughs> because watching them work through it is incredibly fascinating, but it's also challenging, because I could insert experience and different techniques in there, and they can cut the process down by probably at least 50%. But it's trusting the process that if you take that part of it out of it, they've lost everything, and they just jumped back into a traditional classroom. So trusting that, um, knowing that it's all going to evolve how it's supposed to, and that's what makes startup startup. That was good, wasn't it? I mean, that correlates so much with just biblical discipleship, what you just said right there. That was incredible. Uh, Debbie, most challenging part of what you do? Yeah, well, obviously it's on the other side of, you know, when, when we do uh, pour, our heart, pour our heart and soul into someone that we're counseling and um, after seeing the ultrasound and seeing the heartbeat and seeing the little legs and arm buds and whatever, they choose uh, to abort the baby anyway. So that's, that's extremely disappointing, and we have to learn to trust in God at that time. Um, because we know that it's not our ministry, it's his ministry. We say that all the time. We are just his servants. We're just his hands and his feet. Um, and just, uh, I counseled about a year ago a young man uh, that called. He wasn't even from this area, and his wife was pregnant. Um, and he did not want her to have an abortion, and she was going to. Um, and so his, he desperately leaned on me to ask me, what can I do? Probably about three phone calls. Um, and I sent him to all the resources that, we could, that I could um, just I prayed with him. He prayed with his pastor. They went and talked to their pastor. But there were a lot of uh, background that, that was coming into the situation. 
and his, uh, his uh, statement to me was, I want to support my wife, and I know if I don't support her in the abortion, she might leave me. Mm. And he loved her so much to do that. So that's hard. Um, and so as disappointing as that was, I was so grateful that God gave us the opportunity and maybe something that we said or something that we did uh, maybe for the next time or that he can share with someone. So those are always disappointing. And that uh, pregnancy care centers get a bad, bad, get a bad rap, especially now. They're very misunderstood. We are not making decisions for anyone. Um, we are there compassionately, non-judgmentally, educating the clients that walk through our doors. And right now, with the post-real world that we're living in, um, there is a big target for pregnancy care centers. So um, just that we can withstand that, that God will give us wisdom and discernment. Um, and we are not going to stop. Um, we've been in existence for 30 years, and we're going to go on. So um, that is the disappointment that, that we are misunderstood by so many people that think we are making the decision and forcing them to have the baby, and that is not true at all. Yeah. We are there to support them no matter their decision. That's very good. Can we just appreciate all these wonderful folks for being here with us today? Yeah. And what... What they, what they bring to the table, I, I'm sure you were at some point probably thinking like I was thinking today, uh, these are not novices, right? These are well-trained, well-developed people in their craft, in their field. Uh, there's this real spirit of excellence that exists up here with these particular efforts and works that are going on. And so it really is an honor and a privilege to know that we're partnering with and in some small way maybe helping to advance and support this work that they're doing on the front lines of all these different areas. Would you agree with me there? And so uh, I'd like to just wrap up today, if it's okay with each of you, and I know I asked this in the first service, so I'm assuming you wouldn't have changed your mind since then, Uh, but if we could close by just praying for each of you. And I think we've got a lot of good prayer agenda items for all of the organizations represented today, things that we can maybe join a prayer list to know about going forward. Uh, So we're going to do that. But today as we close, I'd really just like to say a prayer over each one of you because I know that the weight of leadership, the weight of responsibility, the, the difficulty of the kinds of challenges that you're facing and what comes along with that, the impact that that can have on your personal life and your home and the family, those things are very, very real. And much is given, much is required, right? And so I just like to pray today as we close, us as a church, pray for each of you that you'd just be refreshed, that you'd be strengthened, you'd be built up and encouraged and just really furthering the work beyond today, uh, even at a greater level than you already are, if that would be okay. Can we do that today, church? Would you?